scrap, 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 scrap. I mean, I'm fierce, I'm mad, I'm rude, I got that pro fighter attitude. I'm in the octagon with the podcast on, let's talk about it on Scrapitude. You know I've been the best, grab my belt and begin to flex so wild, I might hit the rep. We got the winner's circle segments and the two on five takeaways with Tim and Jeff, so just kick back. Grab a brew, it's fight night, so you know what we have to do, whether a power punch or a grapple move. You know we got you covered on Scrapitude, so just kick back. Grab a brew, it's fight night, so you know what we have to do, whether a power punch or a grapple move. You know we got you covered on Scrapitude, yeah. Scrap, 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 yeah. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Tim Talk 277, brought to you by the Scraptitude Podcast Network. This is Timothy Lewis coming through your eardrums, and we are covering UFC 277, so buckle up and hold on tight. The regulars already know, but to those uninitiated, this is a podcast that takes three key perspectives, that of the odds makers, that of the data, and that of yours truly, a decade-plus observer of this fine sport, mixed martial arts. The goal here is to cross-reference these, well, namely the first two, the data and the odds makers, and then I contextualize it with some film observations and boil it all down into succinct takes for each of the fights that I cover. The odds are aggregated from a variety of odds makers. We use the averages to, you know, guesstimate what the odds makers are thinking, And then the data points. Well, that's where the genius of this podcast comes in. This is where the genius of the Scraptitude brand unfurls. You see, our business is data, finding the most predictive data points that can be leveraged to help figure out discrepancies between the odds makers and the fight that's taking place inside that octagon. As we do each and every episode, allow me to break down the hits and the misses of the previous Tim Talk. 276. We started off the card strong with two straight hits from Dreykus Duplessis and Jalen Turner. Now, I advocated for both inside the distance, but also, if you recall, said if you can't stomach chasing that place, that plus money, there is a bet here to be made on the money line. The odds aren't that diverse, and these are surefire bets. Well, sure enough, Dreykus Duplessis did his damnedest to get Brad Tavares out there but got through that one with a 30-27 to decision. And then Jalen Turner handled business in the first fucking round. That guy's a problem. As we know, the uh, Sean O'Malley-Pedro Munoz fight did not get to fully develop due to an eye poke, and there is some controversy surrounding that, but I felt like we were well on our way to that Sean O'Malley decision victory. That would have notched us plus 170, but we can't count money that we don't have. Sean Strickland against Alex Pereira. This is one that was tossing and turning in my mind all week, and it appears that it was the same for the odds makers, who suggested that Sean Strickland was a slight favorite over Pereira. On fight night, you could actually find some plus money bets on Pereira, so there is an advantage to waiting. I believe that Pereira was going to get that one done by TKO, which you could have notched in at plus 155 on FanDuel. Play the film back if you don't believe me. That's a hit. Next up, we had Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. This is another one that was tough. I believe that the odds makers maybe had this one uh, too far apart. Too great of odds for Alexander Volkanovsky. Too much of an underdog for Max Holloway. All the same, I did believe Alexander Volkanovsky was the favorite. And I thought that the most likely probabilistic outcome, the outcome that I told you to bet, was Alexander Volkanovsky by decision at plus 115. 
to follow all that up, the main event of the evening, which turned out to be the big snooze of the evening, was Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. Adesanya came into this one as a big favorite against the underdog, the journeyman, Jared Cannonier. And I expect an Israel Adesanya knockout. That's what I told you to plug in. That was at plus 150 on DraftKings. And man, was it disappointing, frustrating watching that fight. Israel Adesanya not taking the risks, perhaps unable to initiate in the way necessary to get a conservative Jared Cannonier out of there. I suppose some credit is due to the game planning of Cannonier, but overall, a lackluster performance from a man who's supposed to be a superstar, a sniper, a knockout artist, in Israel, the stylebender Adesanya. Overall, this was a nice bounce back from Tim Talk 275, where we hit 3 out of 5. On this event, 5 out of 5 in terms of predicting winners, 3 out of 5 in terms of outcome-specific bets. So I hope y'all cashed your tickets. Let's get ready for the next show. Yo, yeah. The first fight I'm covering from UFC 277 is Drew Dober versus Rafael Alves. Currently, odds makers have Drew Dober as an aggregate minus 205 favorite to the plus 168 of Rafael Alves. In terms of percentages, that converts to a 67.2% likelihood of victory for Dober and a 37.3% likelihood for Alves. Beta 1 agrees both in terms of the spread of the odds and in terms of the victor. With this fight, fans are getting a guaranteed banger. These men have no level of risk aversion. The crimson chin, Drew Dober, has always been a guy willing to take one to give one. And Rafael Alves is a true finish or be finished kind of fighter. I believe that the odds makers, along with Beta 1, are siding with Drew Dober here for a couple of reasons. One, his strength of schedule. With 35 career fights, he just outpaces Rafael Alves, who spent most of his career outside of the UFC. The other side of this is the discrepancy in perceived durability. Rafael Alves has a 30% loss by finish rate to the 14.29% of Drew Dober. What this indicates is an additional level of volatility that goes beyond the X's and O's, the styles make fights components of this matchup. However, I see things differently from the odds makers and beta one. To me, this is a bit of a booby trap fight for Drew Dober, who is as tough as they come, immense bravado, and doesn't know how to say no to a bad fight. I mean, look at his recent opponents, Makachev, Riddell, and most recently, an unheralded but super dangerous fast starter in Terrence McKinney. And it's that last fight that I want to zoom in on. McKinney almost put Dober away multiple times in that first round before the veteran's durability prevailed and he was able to turn the tide. Dober faces a similarly explosive finisher in Rafael Alves this weekend. The difference is that Alves has a legit submission game, something that's proven to be the Achilles heel of Dober in the past. I see room for Dober to withstand the initial rally and to turn this into a war of attrition and eventually turn the tide and handle Rafael Alves. However, there's also a substantial margin that Alves could exploit similar to Terrence McKinney or even Brad Riddell. In both of those fights, we saw Dober badly hurt before shooting for a takedown. Alves has the requisite speed, the requisite power to connect early, and his guillotine is nasty. It's not hard to picture a situation where Dober gets hurt as he has in those previous two bouts, shoots for a takedown, and gets choked unconscious. 
Right now, you can lock in Rafael Alves inside the distance at plus 275 on DraftKings. That's where I'm putting my money. Yo, yeah. Next on the docket, we have Magomed Ankalaev versus Anthony Smith. This fight has the most disparate odds on the entire card, with Magomed Ankalaev clocking in at a minus 552 to the plus 387 of Anthony Smith. In other words, that converts to an 84.7% likelihood of victory for Ankalaev, the 20.5% likelihood of Anthony Smith. Now, largely on the merit of Anthony Smith's immense experience, Beta 1 actually favors him here. I would not take that lightly. I mean, consider this. Through 52 career professional fights, Anthony Smith has a 92% finish rate. You don't post those numbers by mistake. Not with the career that Anthony Smith has had. Not against the guys who Anthony Smith has fought. On the flip side, we have seen Ankalaev's inexperience come through in the waning seconds of his bout with Paul Craig. A fight he was largely dominating, only to be submitted in the last seconds by a triangle choke. Now, anybody who listens to the myriad of podcasts on the Scraptitude Podcast Network knows that I'm a big-time Magomed Ankalaev truther. I discovered him early in his UFC tenure on the strength of his analytical profile. And from there, he's done nothing to disappoint. In fact, it's my belief that he's been a championship-caliber fighter for quite some time. If he had just an iota of Jiri Prohashka's promotional equity, he already would have gotten that opportunity without needing a nine-fight win streak. I believe that Anthony Smith is going to try to attack the lead leg of Ankalaev who in turn will try to mitigate it as he does with all his other opponents by standing in the opposite stance. If they're orthodox, he goes southpaw. If they're southpaw, he goes orthodox. My explanation for this is that the outside leg kick is less impactful when it comes from the opponent's lead leg. Now, we know that Anthony Smith is going to have a cerebral approach, but it's going to be difficult for that to work against Ankalaev, who is excellent at dictating the tempo. Think of a Leon Edwards or a Jose Aldo. Super talented fighters whose finishing rates might not be quite as high as you expect because they constantly keep the fight on their terms, the engagement on their terms. And the reality is, even though many of their opponents want to come in and push the pace, that's less applicable once you feel the weight of the offense coming in return. All of these guys have the ability to finish you. And if you provide the margins for exploitation, they will do exactly that. At the same time, if the pace is not pushed or the opposing fighter attempts and then recoils and assumes the tempo of Magomed Ankalaev, Leon Edwards, Jose Aldo, then we see these tempo control experts take a methodical approach by which they pick apart their opponent. I do not believe that Anthony Smith has the athletic abilities, the intangibles, or the acumen to remove Ankalaev from his comfort zone. That means we should expect a slow-paced, methodical fight and a Magomed Ankalaev decision. Despite being a minus 552 favorite, odds that I do not like, I see value in the plus 100 Ankalaev by decision. You can lock that in on DraftKings. Yo, yeah. The next bout is a flyweight clash between Alexandre Pantoja and Alex Perez. Currently, the odds are as follows. Pantoja is a minus 178 favorite to the plus 148 Alex Perez. 
In regards to percentages, that is a 64% likelihood of victory for Pantoja and a 40.3% likelihood for Alex Perez. And Beta 1 agrees. I love when we have solidarity between the odds makers and the numbers. It is rare in these circumstances that we fail. To me, at 32 years old, Pantoja is a championship-level fighter. We've seen him locked in there for three rounds with Figueredo, putting in some good work, albeit dropping that one. And we've seen him defeat former champion, potentially future interim champion, Brandon Moreno, handily. Pantoja is just a really well-rounded fighter. He's durable and he's lethal. He's experienced, but he's still in the prime of his career. Alex Perez is no slouch himself, accumulating 30 professional fights at 30 years of age. I talk about age-adjusted experience a lot, and Alex Perez is an example of this. Be that as it may, he has a definitively weaker strength of schedule in comparison to Pantoja, and more volatility as explained by his loss-by-finish rate. For me, this is Pantoja's fight to lose. He's coming off of two strong wins against Manel Kopp and Brandon Royval, and with this one, he sets himself up with the title shot directly in his crosshairs. This is a bout that will separate the contenders from pretenders. I'm thinking Pantoja gets this one done over Alex Perez inside the distance. You can find that at plus 210 on DraftKings. For more conservative bettors that may not just be intent on chasing the plus money, I believe that Pantoja is a slam dunk pick. I also like him outright. I like him in parlays. Just find yourself a way to make some money on this fight. Yo, yeah. Next up, we have the co-main event of the evening, a rematch between Kai Kara France and Brandon Moreno. The odds are as follows. Brandon Moreno is currently a minus 211 favorite to the plus 171 of Kai Kara France. In other words, that is a 67.8% likelihood of victory for Moreno to the implied 36.9% likelihood of victory for Kai Kara France. Beta 1, however, takes the opportunity, opportunity to disagree, albeit ever so slightly suggesting that Kai Kara France is a small favorite against Brandon Moreno. One thing I'd like to emphasize that despite both men being under 30, they have a wealth of experience. Moreno has 27 career mixed martial arts fights to the 34 of Kai Kara France. The math loves that age-adjusted experience, and Kai Kara France is one of the few guys on equal or even superior footing in that regard to the assassin baby Brandon Moreno. I find the parallel between these two coming of age to be fascinating. Both have had definitive struggles in their UFC career before putting it all together and establishing themselves as all-world championship caliber fighters. While Brandon Moreno has found the greater heights of success, the consistency has belonged more so to Kai Kara France. And while that consistency exists, it has come against a lower level of competition when we look at the stellar 79% opponent win rate of Brandon Moreno. That's what three fights in a row against Davison Figueredo will do for you. But looking at that success rate, we have to go to the numbers inside of the numbers. Brandon Moreno has two draws in his career, and his last loss to Davison Figueredo easily could have been a win. That type of swing is eerily reminiscent to a younger Jorge Masvidal, who was clearly this top-notch 
borderline championship level fighter who kind of stayed below his potential because of so many split decisions in his career, specifically split decision losses. I'd say the predominant reason that Brand Moreno is a favorite to the degree that he is here, an aggregate minus 211 favorite, is because these two have fought before. While both men found success, it was the attrition and even more so the attitude of Bram Moreno that seemed to break down Kai Car of France. And although both men have improved, it's hard to see how this one goes any differently. This is just a very tough combination of durability, work rate, and versatility for Kai Car of France to deal with. Strictly kickboxing, he can give anybody problems in this entire division, but he has more to worry about than that with Brandon Moreno. So even though I expect this one to primarily take place in the striking realm, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy arithmetic for the more tenured kickboxer in Kai Car France. We saw that in the first fight. While both men have grown since that initial clash, I don't expect the results to be much different. I'm liking Brandon Moreno outright. Yo, yeah. The last fight for Tim Talk 277 is the main event of the evening, which comes on the heels of one of the bigger upsets in UFC history. That is Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. Currently, Amanda Nunes is a favorite challenging for her old belt at minus 283 to the plus 222 of the champion Juliana Pena. That converts to a 73.9% likelihood of victory for Nunes to the 31.1% likelihood of victory for Pena. Beta 1 sees it much the same, except even more lopsided for Amanda Nunes. Lopsided like what the odds were for the first fight. And looking through the numbers, knowing what happened, I was trying to figure out where everything went wrong. Pena does not have a tremendous statistical profile. She's less experienced. She wins at a lower rate. She gets finished at a higher rate. She has a weaker strength of schedule. She has a lower finish rate. Like the, You go point for point, and there's not really room for Juliana Pena to overall be the better fighter, but she only has to be the better fighter on fight night, and she does have some degree of psychological advantage coming into this one after being a huge underdog maintaining that confidence through the first bout and coming out victorious. What I saw in the numbers was that while there was more volatility for Juliana Pena, a higher loss by finish rate, none of those losses came by knockout, and she leaned on that durability, her capacity to take a punch, and she Homer Simpsoned her way through as she jabbed the nose off of the lioness. It is my perspective that the gravitas, the bravado of Juliana Pena, unnerved Amanda Nunes. She felt like she had to hit this girl hard enough that she couldn't get back up. And that is why Amanda Nunes continued to trade and trade and trade with Juliana Pena after notching that takedown and control time in the first round. She felt like she had a point to prove. Her ego got the better of her. There were also factors like the weight cut. Amanda Nunes has not fought at 135 pounds in a couple of years, defending her 145-pound title. She had contracted COVID just a couple of months before the fight took place. There's certainly a narrative here that we can construct that excuses the way that Amanda Nunes faded and ultimately got finished with a weak rear naked choke by Juliana Pena. While Pena's pressure and durability certainly could prove to be the chink 
in Amanda Nunez's armor, she has to maintain a specific kind of fight to get there. She has to be able to deny the takedown. She has to be able to resist control time and get back to her feet. This time around, I like a better prepared Amanda Nunez to take the fight. And based on the way the first one played out, I think we can remove a victory by knockout from the equation. Therefore, I will advocate for a double chance bet here. Decision or submission for Amanda Nunes. You can lock that in for plus 200 on FanDuel. Yo, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Y'all know what to do. Subscribe, rate, and review. Those reviews mean everything. Share this podcast with your peoples and give me a shout out if you win some money employing one of these bets. I know the show was a little later this time. I'm about to catch a jet to Miami. It's going to be a good weekend. But until next time, y'all, I appreciate you, much love, and enjoy the event.